Ari the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio. Yay, we've made it to our Friday. Thank yes. you so much for hanging in there with us all week long. Yes. Listening um, each and every day as we discuss the issues of the day and the implications of those issues, where we are as Christians living in America. Um, how do we continue to hold the line? How do we continue to stand for truth, um, to be bold, mm-hmm. and uh, and to know that who God is, who Christ is, uh, that has not changed. That's right. right? In 2021. That hasn't changed. And uh, anyway, I think there's just a huge recalibration that is taking place. And and frankly, I'm I'm happy to be able to continue to encourage the body of Christ um, to focus on the Lord, to turn our eyes toward Jesus. Um, And again, turning your eyes toward Jesus does not imply burying your head in the sand. Mm -hmm. Right. It doesn't mean that you're just like um, singing no bad news. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're not, you're not just like, don't nobody bring me. Um, no, because there, <laughs> there, there is bad news. Um, often there's been bad news throughout the history of the church. Uh, but the good news, the best news ever, um, as they say, uh, doesn't change in the midst of bad news. Right. Mm-hmm. So anyways, um, thank you so much for, uh, hanging out with us, um, day after day, um, during this time. We appreciate it. Yes. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B is over in Studio CC. We'll open the phone lines wide up, but not not in this segment, because in this segment, I know it's Friday and all, <laughs> but I just <laughs> I just want I have something in my file folder here. Um, it's in the file marked Y. Okay, Y like W H Y. And and so I want to talk about two things okay. that are in my file folder mm. marked Y. Like just why? you know you read it and and you just go why. Question one. Yeah, yeah, you do. And so I, I, I don't want to have this question alone because um, I've had this story for a while since you sent it to me. Some people may have the answer. <laughs> okay, <laughs> great. I mean, I'm open. Look, the phone lines will be open as well. I'm open. <laughs> the phone lines will be open. We'll all be open to the answers. Um, but, but yeah, that'd be great. That, that'd be fine. In the next segment, we'll open the phone lines um, up to, to get the answer to this. But this is in the file folder. Why? Mm-hmm. Um, so so here we go. And, and I've been thinking about this since I read this story just off and on. And I have those moments where I like I go, um, you know, if I discuss this story, do I want to offer my commentary or do I want to offer the story, present the story without commentary? You ever do that where you're like, ah, do I want to? Do I want to jump in on it? You know, it's like a double Dutch rope. Do I want to jump in or just watch the ropes mm-hmm. go up and down? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You know, and I still don't know. But I really do feel like I want my brothers and sisters in Christ to be aware of this story and just be thinking about it. And and maybe as they're thinking about it, they, <laughs> aye, aye, they may jump in on the rope. OK, here we go. America's biggest owner of farmland. Uh-huh. America's <laughs> America's biggest oh owner of farmland. I bet you um, that our listeners, unless they you know, follow stuff like this, 
um, I bet you have no idea who owns the most farmland in the United States of America. <laughs> I bet you have no idea who it is. I'll give you, let's do, let's do a series of hints. I, man, the first one I'd give would be like a day giveaway. So let's start with some of the smaller ones and then work our way up. Okay, there are no small ones. All of them are going to be dead giveaways, okay? So who owns the biggest share of farmland in the United States? Um, Microsoft. <laughs> Vaccines. Yes. Population control. Population control. Putting particles in the air to block the sun's rays. Oh, my goodness. Anybody? anybody? <laughs> and so it's, many other things. Man. Okay, so... Um, Bill Gates. Bill Gates is the biggest owner of farmland in America. Now, again, remember what folder I put this in. All right. I put this <laughs> That's in a the great folder. question. That's a great Marked, folder. Why? Yeah. Why? Uh, why? Yes. You know, you know, from 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 <laughs> some people might say from pewters. <laughs> from 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 pewters to pumpkins what are you doing like what are you what are you doing gates like what's what's going on here's the story though um you know this is from forbes the forbes story so this is i didn't i didn't you know i didn't <laughs> i didn't pull this from chitlins.com exactly. this is actually like a story right so a forbes story um written by a woman named ariel shapiro all right bill gates the fourth richest person in the world and a self-described nerd who is known for his early programming skills rather than his love of the outdoors has been quietly snatching up 242,000 acres of farmland across the U.S. Why? Enough. <laughs> you remember my folder? Yes. Please don't let us forget the folder. All right. <laughs> Enough to make him the top private farmland owner in America. After years of reports that he was purchasing agricultural land in places like Florida and Washington, mm -hmm. the land report revealed that Gates, who has a net worth of nearly $121 billion, according to Forbes, has built up a massive farmland portfolio spanning 18 states. Wow. His wow. latest holdings are in Louisiana. Oh. Watch out, Shad. Oh. <laughs> Man. Watch out. I just want I, I, I to say to my people. <clears throat> y'all just just pay Man. attention to that that's mm. just you know that's just something to they know need to be asking why all right so in louisiana he's got sixty nine thousand seventy one acres in okay. arkansas he's got forty seven thousand nine hundred twenty seven acres in nebraska twenty thousand five hundred eighty eight acres all right. Additionally, he has a stake in twenty five thousand seven hundred fifty acres of transitional land on the west side of Phoenix, Arizona, which is being developed as a new suburb. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let me just let me just continue because you need to have as much information as I do um, without reading the entire article. I'll, I'll read a good little bit here, though. OK, mm -hmm. according to the land reports research, the land is held directly and through third party entities by Cascade Investments, Gates's personal investment vehicle. Cascade's other investments include food safety company, Ecolab. Mm. <laughs> messing with the food. I, okay. I, yeah. Oh, it's oh, a food man. safety company. Yeah. It's a food. <laughs> Can't be trusted, man. It's a food safety company. I don't trust you. Guys, this is, <clears throat> this is that uncomfortable laughter where you're like, man. This is that. Yeah, oh. giveaway. Oh. Man. Yeah, giveaway. Charles, thank you very much. Yeah, Look, giveaway. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I am I am from I am from the time frame, right, 
where, um, you know, we did watch the Left Behind movies. All right. (laughs) And it was the original Left Behind movies. You remember them. They were sort of like they looked like a cross between kind of like science fiction, mystery, horror, and mash. Well, you talking about like the old, old ones? Oh, yeah, oh. I'm talking about, I'm, I'm of that, not Kirk Cameron's like, Oh, you talking about iteration of it. all been ready. Man, oh, don't <laughs> even sing it. Oh, my Those, goodness. It just, uh, thief in the night. Know, no, it Oh, ee, Yeah. Just so <laughs> frightening, right? Yeah, man. Those are the things that sent me running to see if my mom was still in her bedroom. Because, <laughs> because look, because I was not, obviously, always saved, right? <laughs> so as a teenager, before... Before I confessed my sin to the Lord and accepted the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm growing up in a Christian home, but I'm not, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm just, that's just like what we do. It's just a part of like life. Right. Mm. And so I never felt like I was secure. I always felt like, you know, if the Lord is coming like a thief in the night. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, in New Orleans, we always have storms. Right. Like mm-hmm. you always have, you know, and so when you get that loud cracker of th- crackle of thunder and boom, 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 boom. And so what do I do, I'm bolting to go see because if my mom is here, then it's not the rapture. Mm. She's not been caught up because, you know, if when the rapture happens, mom is going. You know, and I, I remember one time, this is just a side note here. I don't know why we talk about Bill Gates and talking about the rapture and end times. Anyways, maybe there's a connection. I don't know. Um, <laughs> just maybe. <laughs> maybe. I remember my mom saying. <laughs> Um, she didn't even turn around. She just, you know, you better get saved, Miki. So she said, mm-hmm. you know, here's, here's the thing. Back to this story here. There are many, many things that have to happen around us, right, that portend the return of the Lord. You know, about 25% of Christians these days, about 25% of Christians do not believe what the Bible says about the catching up of the saints. Mm-hmm. And I understand that there are people who have kind of like, you know, quote, unquote, become more sophisticated in their understanding of scripture and they've learned so much that they've grown to be able to make the Bible mean something that it wouldn't have meant to its early readers. I'm not of that design. I am of the design that the Bible cannot mean now what it would not have meant to the, those who read it originally. Mm-hmm. Right. Because there's, there's no like um, what you would call increasing revelation, like, Oh, new and improved understanding of the Bible. Right. right. Because the word right. which is sufficient. Yes. Must be sufficient to the first century. It must be sufficient to the second century or four. I should say sufficient for the third, fourth, fifth century. Right on down to us. Right. So the understanding that they would have had should be the understanding that we have. If, in fact, they're interpreting it rightly. Now, of course, a bad interpretation is a bad interpretation in all generations. Hmm. Right. But the right interpretation of the scripture guided by the Holy Spirit, the author of the text is going to be the same interpretation that we today get. Amen. And so when the Apostle Paul is talking about we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet him like those people wouldn't have rationalized that. That Mm. was, in fact, comforting to the Thessalonians. Yeah. And in fact, if there was any question as to whether or not the return, the imminent return of the Lord Jesus should have comforted them. Paul told them, comfort one another with this. That's right. But now we're in a place where we're like a lot of the things that we see in Scripture. And and I'm going to tell you something, too. You know, man. Some of what we see happening in America, um, in fact, has to happen, right, for the realization of the things that we expect. And those things will be difficult as they begin and continue to fall into place. But, man, look, our God is not a man that he should lie. Amen. Right? If Jesus Amen. said that he's going away to prepare a place that where he is, we may also be, and that he's coming mm-hmm. back to get us. Listen, saints, it. I'm not embarrassed to say mm. I am waiting for him. Amen. 
He is coming back. I believe that. And if that makes me crazy, then that, fine, fine. But that's, that's, I've given my entire life to that, to that belief mm-hmm. that the man Christ, who, who in the same way that he went up, is coming back. That's and he's right. going to get those who have put their faith and their hope. And I don't know exactly what that looks like. I don't know exactly. I can only say what the Bible says about what that looks like. And there's still questions that remain. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you this, as we see wickedness increasing, right, and we see people doing things that um, jeopardize our food supply, you know, and whether or not, you know, <laughs> supply and demand remain constant and all of these things and, and, and people controlling large swaths of land, okay, <laughs> and, you know, mm-hmm. um, determining what should be produced and how that should be mm-hmm. produced, whether or not this food is safe and whether or not it's, it, it isn't and, and whether or not they should genetically modify it. Mm-hmm. You know, the seeds that God gave us are not good. Let's make super seeds. Come on, Come on man. man. Listen, what I'm telling you is this for the people of God, there should be an excitement and an urgency and a sobriety about us. And i tell you what, that was a time when I, I believe people were like, man, how could this happen? You know, exactly. re- reading the revelation and in, in, in the, in the scriptures and saying, I just don't see how everybody on, on earth would be able to, you know, see something happen yeah. one time all around the world. A lot of those questions are gone. Like we can we understand Come on, man. <laughs> it's, it, these things are able to happen. And yeah. even if we didn't have that, where we, you know, could figure it out, like how this is going to happen. We believe God's word. Amen. We believe God's word. And he Amen. said, it, you know, and we believe it. And, and these are the things that we're looking forward to. And man, who would want to stay here anyway? Right. Come on. <laughs> Look, Come you know, on, man. It's, it's so interesting. These conversations we have with our children, um, we want them to have the same hope that we have in the promises of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we talk about these promises as naturally as we talk about anything else, because this is reality. Mm-hmm. The promises of Christ are reality. It, it is done. Right. Like it is not like, oh, you know, well, we just hope that maybe. But no, it's done. It's decided it's done. And we await the manifestation of it. So when we talk about this with our kids, we talk about this in terms of reality. These are not fairy tales that we're reliving for them. This is not just something that we're passing down as like a tradition. Well, you know, they tell me it's like, no, Well, what does the Bible say? And sometimes they have questions. We can't answer all of those questions. But those that we can answer, we turn to the word of God and we read it Mm -hmm. and allow them to delight in this expectation that Jesus Christ, the one in whom they've placed their hope and their trust, he is coming again to get them. He has redeemed them, purchased them, sealed them with the Holy Spirit, guaranteeing that he's coming again for them. All right. Aaron the Addison's AFR. We'll be right back. theme song we looked up life was <laughs> i'm gonna <laughs> life was filled with guns and war and all of us got trampled to the floor i wish we'd all been ready <laughs> children died the days grew cold a piece of bread could buy a bag of gold i wish we'd all been ready <laughs> there's no time to change your mind the sun has come and you've been left behind you remember that yeah. man i'm telling you listen there's a sobriety about understanding what God has told us and accepting mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we have this type of, um, I don't know, you know, we have this type of faith that is just like, it's a faith that works for us here. And we're just kind of comfortable with life here. And if we're honest, many of us kind of approach the gospel 
like children, but not in the way that's good. Right. But in the way that it's like, oh, but I don't I don't really want this life to end. You know what I mean? Like you can't Mm -hmm. imagine what it would be like to be in the presence of God. You know, you can't imagine what what it will be like um, to live in the type of perfection that was God's original intent, except for rebellion. You can't imagine that. So it's just sort of like um, it's sort of a scary proposition. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like, ah, I don't know, I, right. you know, because this seems this seems pretty great. But but in reality, even the best days are days that are subject to the fall and and all of life <laughs> rebelling against you because of the original rebellion. Yeah. So we don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is another something to anticipate and to hope for. Mm. Anyways, I know that makes us antiquated. Will the great, you know, so many people <laughs> have a refined cute Christianity well. where they're just. You know, they don't offend anybody. Well, good but... for them. I mean, not really. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> nice to be married to you. Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. It's a Friday edition. Yes. People are like, well, how am I supposed to go into my Friday with the weight of, well, that's good. No, this is a good weight. Remember, we're encouraged looking for the return of the Lord. Amen. We're encouraged. And, and, and let me also say this, not backwoods. Okay. All right. Because there's also, there's been a sort of intellectual assault on people believing the word of God. Mm -hmm. And will you mentioned this even during the break that even more so now we're going to kind of get to this a little bit with these clips and then we won't spend too much time here because we'll hear from our listeners. Right. But um, there's even right now a growing move to try to make Christians look like extremist radicals. Mm -hmm. Right. And and, equivalent to, you know, (sighs) terrorists. Yes. Yes. Hmm. And, and that's, that's what you're going to hear. So again, I'm in the file folder. Why? Mm-hmm. Um, this one, I think we can probably, we, we can, you know, <laughs> yeah. all right. Um, but in this, in this file folder, uh, why W H Y, uh, reliable sources host Brian Stelter. So reliable of a source. Yeah. <laughs> every time I it's see just, that guy, I'm like, oh I know goodness. it. I know it. Really? I mean, the dude, I mean, anyway, what a humble name like for a show. Like he should be on Seinfeld or something. Reliable sources. Okay. <laughs> anyway, it's a joke. <laughs> it, it is, his program is a joke. He's not a reliable source. Um, he has an agenda. He has a bent. And um, he's using his platform to bend people in the direction that he wants them to go. <sighs> but he did a show where he was uh, discussing how to cover extremism without amplifying it. How do you cover extremism without amplifying it? Which you think, yeah, nobody wants extremism, right? Like, how do you, right. you know, it's amazing that we didn't have these kinds of shows, you know. Yeah, when but, yeah, you, you, Right, okay. Right. And, um, and the question is, who are the extremists? Exactly right. That's the, exactly right. Yeah. How have you come to label right. your extremists, right? So he's got these two guests on. And and I want you to listen because we're going to pick up with uh, Stelter kind of setting it up, um, talking about basically that we're in an information crisis. And, uh, and then he's going to throw it over to uh, a man named Alex Stamos, okay? And when we get back, we may talk just a little bit about who Alex Stamos is, but this is a tri-split screen where on one side, just get a picture of this. You know how these news interviews go. On the one side, you've got um, uh, a man, oh goodness, what is the man's name? Hold on just a second, just a second. Chris, Chris Krebs is on the left side and Alex Stamos is on the right side and Brian Stelter is in the middle. All of the clips that you hear, this is going to be Alex Stamos's response. So you're not going to hear anything from Chris Cribs or Krebs during this time, but just listen to this. So this is clip one. We'll roll it. Information crisis that has been perpetuated, in my view, by platforms like the one we're used to work, Facebook, as well as Twitter and others. 
It's really hard because what's happening is people are able to seek out the information that makes them feel good. Yeah. That is what's happening is that you know, people have so much choice now. They can choose what their news sources are. They can choose what influencers they want to follow. Um, and, and they can try to seal out anything that que helps them question that. And that, I think that gets to a, a really core issue uh, with how our freedoms as Americans and, and the way we have treated press freedom in, in the past is being abused by these actors um, in that we have given a lot of leeway, uh, both in the traditional media and on social media, to people to have a very broad range of political views. And it is now in the great economic interest of those individuals to become more and more radical. And I think that one of the places you can see this is on the, the fact that you now have competitors to Fox News on their right, OANN yes. and Newsmax, which are carried by all the major cable networks. Um, who are trying to now outflank Fox on the right because the moment Fox introduced any kind of realism into their reporting, immediately a bunch of people chose to put themselves into a sealed ecosystem. And they can do that both on cable, they can do it online. Um, and that becomes a, a huge challenge of figuring out how do you bring those people back into the mainstream of fact-based reporting and try to get us all back into the, the same consensual reality. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> Wait, he said, I was trying to, oh man, this is about my third time, maybe fourth time hearing that. And each time, I don't know, it is so laughable. And his sincerity is so like, it is, nah, he's you serious. really want to believe him. He's like, yeah. Right? How do you get, how do you get people out of a sealed ecosystem? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I would love, I would like to um someone do like a graphic where they just cut do a cut out of my head and put it <laughs> on one side or just over his shoulder and i would love like to do the subtitles to everything he's saying but like <laughs> this is what he's really saying just right. while he's doing it you know what i mean just with my face right there <laughs> next to his face while he is talking when he talks about how are we going to help people question their beliefs how are we <laughs> In other words, how will we remove people and re-indoctrinate them, right? How will we make sure that they leave this sealed ecosystem of conservatism, okay, and bring them out to the vast mainstream that is liberalism? How, how are we going to do this? Because this is a problem where we are right now. He says, and you heard it, okay, he says basically people have been given too much leeway when it comes to media. They have all these choices. <laughs> they have, that shouldn't be. They, <laughs> there's access. There's too much access to information on the part of people who disagree with us. And, and let me remind you something. That was also the problem in 2016. Hmm. They, these people could not believe. They could not believe that when people had access to information, they made decisions that those people found contrary to their goals and objectives. <laughs> right. So they were like, that will never happen again. It's, Almost uh, immediately. Just like Abe said, these people are Goebbels, Inc. Oh, come on. <laughs> they don't want you to hear nothing else but what they have to say. And That's you it. need to listen to them. You know, everybody else needs to just go away, be silent. Yes. Because we are the ones who are bringing the truth. That's what they 
That's so watch think. this. So did you notice that when they, um, when the guy, uh, Alex Stamos was talking and, and he said, I mean, because now you have all of these platforms that mm-hmm. are even like competitors to Fox. Did you, did you hear uh, Brian Stelter in the background? Yes. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's, all, he's like, yes, that dude, yes. Man. More about, yeah, we can't stand that. <sighs> you know, he didn't even realize that he was like, you know, editorializing. Right. Even in that moment, yeah, he's yeah, trying to be a reporter. I don't think they don't, they don't care you know? anymore. It's like, it's oh, like... your editorials are showing. <laughs> like, you know, you're editorializing. Like that's, yeah. you're like, cheering him on to say we've got to combat these other news outlets that are even competitors to Fox. Mm-hmm. We're already having a hard time with Fox. And they were saying, you know, uh, when Fox started, basically he was trying to say, you know, being uh, operating in reality. Well, I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't say I, I wouldn't say reality. I would say lurching a little bit. To the I, exactly. But to <laughs> them, it's like now you have these other people rising up and people are going there because Fox has reality now. Like, oh, oh Christians. Come on, man. Oh, Christians. This is the time for us to ask the Lord to increase our discernment. I'm telling you. Yes. Um, you, you will be scraping and digging for the truth that's happening, right? The things that are going on in real time, you will be doing that. But the Lord, who will give us great discernment, um, has prepared us already for that, to be able to test things, to know the truth, right? To not be easily duped. But listen, let me play this other clip here because we're going to run out of time and I didn't want to spend this much time. Sorry about that. But here we go. All right, this clip two is the scene from uh, the Lorax <laughs> where the where the Onceler's mom has been hired to help him gather up the truffle leaves, okay? <laughs> and they don't want to cut down the trees, but uh, it's taken too long to just harvest the tufts, right? <laughs> and so the Onceler has to go to his mom and say, or the mom goes to the Onceler and says that there's a problem, all right? <laughs> and the Onceler is like, well, what can we do? And she's like, oh, and this just came to me. Mm-hmm. We could cut down the trees, mm. right? So, so watch wow. Brian Stelter as he asks this question of Alex Stamos. <laughs> Basically, it's like, what can be done? And here is Stamos, right? Who's like, well, yes, okay, well, so, and and in other words, you know, we're not really sure, but but so, this, this this just came to me. Mm-hmm. Now he doesn't say that, right? But obviously, this is a plan, and this is where they want to go. And I want you to. This is so insidious. All right. I yeah. want I want you to listen. This is so insidious. And then we'll talk just a little bit about it. And let me start getting cute, uh, phone calls queued up while we're doing this. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Listen to this level, high level of insidious conversation here. Clip two. And can you? Is that possible? Seems like that's an open question. It's hard. I mean, I think we got to do a couple things. One, there needs to be a, a, an intentional work by the social media companies collaborating together to work on violent extremism in the same way they worked on ISIS. I was when I started at Facebook in 2015. The number one challenge from a content perspective was the abuse of social media by the Islamic State, um, and there was a, a collaboration between the tech companies and between the tech companies and law enforcement to make it impossible for them to use the internet to recruit and radicalize young mostly young Muslim men at the time around the world. Now we're talking about domestic audience in the United States. And the challenge is going to be partially that, you know, ISIS did not have a domestic constituency in the United States Congress. But there is over half of the Republicans in Congress voted to overturn the election. Um, And there will be a continual political pressure on the the companies to not take it seriously. So I think first, you have Mm. to focus on those violent extremists and those companies have to be brave in that way. And second, we have to turn down the capability of these conservative influencers to reach these huge audiences. There are are people on YouTube, for example, that have a a larger audience than daytime CNN. 
again. And they are extremely radical and pushing extremely uh, radical views. And so it's up to the Facebooks and YouTubes in particular to think about whether or not they want to be effectively cable networks for disinformation. And then we're going to have to figure out the OANN and Newsmax problem. You know, that these companies have freedom of speech, but I'm not sure yes. we need Verizon, AT&T, Comcast and such to be bringing them into tens of millions of homes. Um, I, I, this is, you know, allowing people to seek out information if they really want to, but not pushing it into their faces, I think is where we're going to have to go here. Mm. <laughs> Stelter said. Wow. Stelter went back to Southern Church. Mm. <laughs> His it help was is so coming. good to him. This information was so life-giving right. to him that what we <laughs> should do is we should actually come after companies that provide a platform for these news outlets. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that AT&T and Com now he's, he's calling out these companies mm -hmm. because now they are complicit in radicalizing Americans. Mm. Guys, I want... Now, listen, and, and I'm going to make <laughs> if you think that I'm only talking about this because it's a current event. Right. Um, well, that's partly true. It's, a, it's, a, it's something that's <laughs> happening right now. OK, but there is a different connection that I think that Christians need to understand. We need to make this jump. All right. And, and then let me say something because our listeners heard it. OK, so you also heard them. Um, this guy, Alex Stamos, talking about the domestic uh, constituency in Congress. Mm hmm. So you've got elected officials who are also complicit in radicalizing these Americans. So not only do we need to squeeze them out, Man. right, but we need to make sure that we don't have elected officials that are helping to to empower and to provoke this kind of activism, like where we have these radicals behaving like members of ISIS. Mm -hmm. Guys, now, now, wow. now, if you think, if you think that that is just, uh, and, and by the way, by the way, this is from the website TechCrunch.com, TechCrunch.com, because my question was, who is Chris Krebs and Alex Stamos, <laughs> right? Who, who are these people? So here, here's who they are. Um, according to the website TechCrunch.com, this article came out January 8th of this year, January 8th. Former U.S. cybersecurity official Chris Krebs and former Facebook chief security officer Alex Stamos have founded a new cybersecurity consultancy firm. Mm. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Mm. Wow. Opportune so, time, you say? That's amazing. So wow. companies will just hire you guys yeah. to help with cybersecurity. Business is mm. booming. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, <laughs> re that's really, really convenient. What does Krebs, what does Krebs bring to this duo? Krebs was one of the most senior cybersecurity officials in the U.S. government. Mm. Hmm. That's interesting. He was also fired by President Trump. Mm. So, you know, he's coming back. He like, look. Wow. That's <laughs> man. That's yeah. really interesting. One yeah. other thing about Stamos, the guy that you heard uh, there, he uh, joined the Stanford Internet Observatory after holding senior cybersecurity positions at Facebook and Yahoo. Mm -hmm. And he also consulted for Zoom. Ooh. <laughs> <Wow>. <clears throat> hmm. all right um yeah. now one other thing here guys yes and uh we will spend all of next segment dealing with this okay when you talk about radicals when you talk about insurgents right please understand that now in our culture there slowly is becoming sort of a synonym for insurgency, mm -hmm. right? Um, it's called evangelicalism. Mm. Okay? It's called, e listen, here are some of the headlines. This is from NPR. How did we get here? A call for an evangelical reckoning 
on Trump. Mm. All right. So that's that's one of the headlines. A Christian insurrection. That's from the Atlantic. A mm. Christian insurrection. We got to grab this break. When we come back, we'll take your calls. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. Please stay right there. on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Marcus Rogers with Great God. Sherry V is over in Studio CC. She's got some calls queued up. We'll go right there um, and, and get your get your calls, get your take on what we're talking about today. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Will the Great, where do we go first? All right, let's go to Sally in California. Hi, Sally. Hi, how are you? God bless both of you. Thank Hello. you so much for God your bless program. You. Thank you. Um, if you don't think that our system has been compromised, it has been compromised. I retired from Monsanto's, and uh, we were working on some super-duper um, changes to our food sources, mm. changes to all of our system. Um, a lot of deaths have occurred because we've had a lot of, of super super-duper events that have cost a lot of our food source, a lot of our um, environment to change because mm-hmm. of this. I won't go into further um, speculation about the system that we have now and what's going to happen, but there are some major changes that are going to occur, and mm-hmm. we will see those in the coming months. Yeah, yeah. Sally, um, can I ask you a question, if you don't mind, while I have you on the line? I mean... You know, you, you, you mentioned a major company there, but um, I know that for many families, there's been the move, even at great expense, there's been the move to, to kind of turn toward organic foods and even to plant their own gardens and, and to secure um, natural seeds and things like that. Do you think that that will be of greater benefit for us going forward? The seeds have been compromised because you don't have an organic seed. You have a seed that has been altered and changed. Mm. None of these seeds that you can purchase on, on any given um, variety is of an organic source. They've all been tainted. They've all been modified. They've all been worked on. That's why I'm telling everybody to look at a reality that most of us do not want to face. Most of us have closed our eyes to what has happened starting in the 60s, continuing in the 70s, and moving forward. That's why our our generations are so deathly sick. Mm. We are dying, dying, because we are ingesting these seeds. We are ingesting food that we should never, ever be eating. Wow. Man, so thanks. so then, man, thank you, Sally. I appreciate you, your Sally. call. I guess I'm just pondering as I, as I listen to this and so much of, the, wow. of this information we've in bits and pieces read, you know, at different mm-hmm. times. You know, you've heard this, you've known this. 
but I was under the impression that turning toward organic food was a better choice. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of getting the sense from Sally here that, that maybe, maybe it isn't. I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's really interesting. I appreciate Sally calling us, um, uh, from California and, and sharing that information with us. I'm just processing that in real time. Uh, all right. Well, the great, where do we go next? Let's go to Carlos in Tennessee. Hi, Carlos. Hello, guys. Thank hey. you for taking my call, and I want to say Happy New Year to you. Same Happy to you. New Year. Thank you. It's been a minute. Hey, and, and all that you guys do and, and talk about, um, I've heard very little of the fact um, that what we're seeing happening, according to Revelation, is a shadow of the tribulation that Revelation speaks of as it was in the exodus that spotted that that that, the lamb that was unblemished was a shadow of the real substance jesus to come and i know people are talking about a great awakening but shouldn't we be sounding the trumpet about hey preparing yourself because this is going to happen and if we freaking Mm -hmm. out over this shadow and and the book i look the word says Jesus uh, uh, said that, um, we're not Jesus, but the word in, in Revelation says that if God hadn't came to intervene and stop, no flesh would survive. So shouldn't we be, be preparing, our, preparing our parishioners and our, and, our, and our families for understanding that this is just a shadow and we mm. can't be freaking out over the shadow because it was the same with that lamb in the Exodus. He was a shadow. That that animal was a shadow. That blood was for the remission of sins. Although we call it a Passover, it was for a remission of sins, as is Jesus' blood was, a remission of our sins. And so he said, no man knows the hour, not even the Son of Man, but I gave you some signs. And yeah. we say in diverse places, right, you're going to hear wars and rumors of wars and pestilence. Well, don't we know or understand it over in that other hemisphere? Because I've traveled the world that over here in our hemisphere, we've had pestilence, we've had floods and tornadoes, and again, rumors of things that are happening. And sometimes I think here in America, or this side of the hemisphere, we look to that just being, oh, that's over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That ain't happening here. Yeah. This is global. Yeah. And so I just nope. wanted to make that point known and see what you guys' take was on that. Thank you for accepting my call. Thank you, Carlos. Absolutely, Carlos. Thank you so much. No, I, I think you're right about that. I think we, and that's kind of what I was alluding to in the first segment. I don't know if you were listening in the first segment as well, but yeah, there are things that have to happen mm-hmm. that portend the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like if we believe the word of God, right? Then we can't ignore everything that's contained in the word of God. And this is kind of what I was trying to drive at gently here. We have, um, and I'm going to say this, but Mm -hmm. you'll know what I mean as I kind of, we have tried to intellectualize the scriptures, right? So you've got a a lot of heady people who come to the scriptures and try to remove from the scriptures, the weight of God's original intent. Mm -hmm. All right. Not saying that we don't bring our intellect to the scriptures. That's not at all what I'm saying, right? But what I'm saying is that there are some people who have removed what God has clearly said and the weight of it from the reading of the scriptures. Well, now that doesn't read that doesn't mean that, you know what I mean? Like you mm-hmm. people re- and you're like, well, man, it clearly says that. But you're absolutely right, Carlos. There are things that have to happen yeah. that point to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave us these signs. Amen. Now, I know that there are all kinds of people and we're not going to talk about that on this show um because frankly that's outside of like my purview that's that's outside of my area of study um i can tell you from my reading which is the basic building block right study is going deeper but i can tell you from my reading where i stand but there are all kinds of dis- discussions that people have about pre-trib post-trib uh, mid-trib rapture and all of that so you know whatever your eschatological view is 
um, the Bible clearly points to the end of this age, that mm-hmm. that will happen. And whatever weight that that's supposed to have in your heart, that, that God intended for that to have in your heart, let it, let it take that weight. Let it have that weight. So, and, and let me anyways, just say, as far as yeah. an awakening, and when, when I speak I'm just for myself in the terms of a, an awakening in America, I'm speaking, I'm not speaking in terms of stopping anything else that God is <laughs> going to do. You know, I'm, I'm talking Amen. about a harvest before he comes. Yes. You know, we're looking forward to him uh, coming and, and, and the Bible says he will. Yes. But, you know, the cry is, man, Lord, before, you know, can there be an awakening? Can there be yes. like hearts that would turn towards you, you know, that wouldn't have to go to hell, you know? And yes. can we see that in this land one more time? And so and remember. Yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. So, so I was saying we, when I speak of an awakening, it does not negate at all the coming back of the Lord. You know, it's just in his mercy, Lord, you know, would you save some? Would you continue to, you know, uh, pour out your spirit on this land? And guess what? And guess what? There is not an awakening that had been rooted in an attempt to stop the return of the Lord. Mm-hmm. The awakenings right. have been connected to, wait a minute, man is languishing in his sin. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? The awakening right. has been, oh God, we have forgotten you. So the the return to the Lord that caused the awakening was not, maybe if we could just have a little more time here mm-hmm. just for us. Mm-hmm. That That has not been the type of desire that the Lord has for lack of a better expression, smiled upon leading to an awakening. So, so there's no, there's no precedent in the body of Christ for an awakening that will stop the return of Jesus. No, we are, man, we are come Lord Jesus. Even so Lord come right. The spirit and the bride say, come, we want the Lord to return, but man, we don't want people to perish. If what we really believe, we believe, right. Think of the implications of that. That's right. All right, Will the Great, where do we go next? All right, let's go to Carl in Illinois. Hi, Carl. Hey, Will, Mickey, thank you so much for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Um, I so appreciate what you guys are doing and Abe and just uh, talking about home display. That mm-hmm. is, uh, I, we missed it generations ago, but hopefully we can get that back. But in mm-hmm. response to the question yesterday, is it too late? And I'm wondering if it is, because I think we're in a position where those people that are in power in the government now will be coming into our homes to take our kids out and take us out and take us mm. to prison. And I'm wondering, how do we prepare for that? And even if it's not going to be me and my kids, it might be them and their kids. How do we prepare for mm. that? Yeah. And how can, do we prepare them for that? Okay. That is, a, that is a great question, Carl. I will tell you that my, my, and I hope that this is not overly simplistic, Carl, but the preparation that we have, is the same preparation that believers have had in every generation, in every cultural context. Mm -hmm. And it is the strong conviction that the gospel is true. The gospel is true. And what we have believed, what we have lived in belief of, right, is true. And so we must not and will not deny it. Mm. That's that's the preparation that no matter what happens. Now, listen, there are things that we will do as we occupy and there are things that will happen that have happened uh, to Christians, even as the fiercest persecution ramped up. It wasn't, you know, there are always like these sort of like um, flickers of persecution before you have the full blown fire. All right. Uh, Around the world, it's it's described as the squeeze and the smash. Mm. All right. When you talk about persecution, um, We've been in a squeeze for a while, but we haven't felt it. 
you know? Mm. And so as it gets tighter, we start to feel it. But what's, what's, how do we um, stand against that? Right. Is that we have decided beforehand that we will not recant. Mm. We will not deny Christ. We have decided beforehand that he is worthy. If we must suffer, he is worthy that we should suffer. Mm. Now this is foreign to us in America. Because so much of our belief of God's um, faithfulness to us has been tied to what we have in our hands. Mm. Right. But the Apostle Peter said that Jesus Christ um, suffered so that he would leave us an example of how to suffer. And that's that's tough. Yeah. You know, you don't get many amens on a on a sermon preached about suffering. But if you can begin even now to teach your kids to say no to ungodly desires, to be willing to suffer, to be willing to be at a very basic level unpopular. We're doing that right now with our children. I'm, you know, I don't always want to bring it back to us as if we're the standard. We're not. But if your question is, what are you doing? What are, I'll tell you what the Addisons are doing. We are preparing our kids right now to not be loved by this world. Amen. We are preparing our kids. Hey, you are the minority. Yep. You are the minority. You will not be liked. Don't expect to be popular. What you believe will be radically offensive to people. And so you prepare them for that right now so that when they encounter it, they're not in shock. All right, let's try to squeeze in some more calls. All right, let's go to Lindsay in Alabama. Hi, Lindsay. Hi there. Thank you all so much for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm calling because I'm struggling um, as recently as today over losing long-term friendships over politics. Mm. And I find myself questioning the value of diversity in our lives and how valuable is it for us to maintain people in our lives who are so, so very different, Mm. Um, which I I think we're alike. We're Mm -hmm. we're both mothers. We all have children. But... I'm in Carline picking up my babies from school. Okay, um, but that's that's where I am. I'm looking to 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 find some commonality and how to continue to embrace diversity when we're so different politically. Wow. Mm. Can can I ask a question just real quick, man? And I know this is going to take us to the end of the break here. I'm sorry for the rest of our callers, Lindsay. When you talk about differences and diversity, are you talking about fellow members of the body of Christ? Definitely. When I talk about diversity, I mean people who don't love the Lord the way that I do. I mean people that don't look to the Bible for guidance on mm. how we raise our children. Looking okay. at, you know, not necessarily color or sex or sexual orientation or any of those um, labels that people are labeled upon, but just people who in their core hearts and values believe so differently than I do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think I understand here and, and Will the great, you help me. Um, I'm just going to respond based on what I, what I am gathering Mm -hmm. here. So the world that we live in calls for multiculturalism calls for diversity and all of these things. And really sort of the underpinning of that is that there is no difference uh, among all of us, right? That we've got to all think the same and behave the same way, sort of like clones of, of, I don't know, an agreed upon culture. I don't think you see that anywhere in scripture. I think you see, um, and, and man, this is a difficult question to respond to, Lindsay. And the reason for that is because it requires two different answers. 
<laughs> it requires an answer for believers with differences, and it requires an answer for believers dealing with non-believers yeah. who have these vast differences. Yeah. Because, man, I tell you what, Lindsay, I, I'm, I'm feeling a little, <laughs> I'm feeling a little bit, you know, flustered here. Because I really want to answer your question. And frankly, there's an exciting answer to your question in two parts. <laughs> By God's grace, we will answer it on Monday. Because I think this is the question that the church needs to be answering. It's a really good one. All right. So we're out of time. Lindsay, I hope you can listen on Monday. God bless you and your children. All right. Until Monday, Lord willing. God bless.